Hello, and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet Needham. Awesome. And our producer, Lindsay. We are streaming live today in Moses Lake at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy in our studio. So thank you for listening in and watching. We really appreciate it. Um, today we'll be talking about the importance of sleep and recovery, rest and recovery. So um, follow along. What's really important today is we know that people like free stuff. So we are giving away two free things today on our podcast and you have to call in live to receive them. So our phone number is 509-537-0411. We will call it out in two different segments in the show. So it will be a Fitbit heart rate sleep monitor and also a diurnal cortisol test. We'll talk a little bit more more about cortisol a little bit later when it comes to um, our topic of sleep. So, But you have to call in live when that happens. So um, tune in. Keep tuning in. So the importance of rest, and I put that as recovery because that is how... Um, we get stronger is when we recover. We do not get stronger when we work out. We do not get stronger when we eat. We do not get bigger when we eat. I mean, not right then and there. We are anabolic when we rest. That's when we get stronger. That's when we repair all that. So it's very, very important. Um, So what is the definition of sleep? So I wrote down a fancy, I, I copied this out of, out of a dictionary, copy a, a condition of body and mind such as, the, such as that which typically recurs for several hours every night, okay? That's a very important point in which the nervous system is relatively inactive, the eyes closed, the posture muscles relaxed, and consciousness um, practically suspended. That's the formal definition of sleep. How important is sleep? Did you know that we will die without sleep before we'll die without food? So am I going to say that sleep is more important than food? Yeah, I'm going to. Um, I think that's a very important point to make. You know, obviously nutrition is very important also and exercise is very important also. But we've talked about on this show, there's three basic things that we can do to keep our bodies healthy, in general, physically healthy. And and um, there, there's a lot of details involved, but really it's, Exercise, sleep, and nutrition. Those are the three things we can do to keep our bodies healthy. So if I already said that sleep is the most important because we'll die without sleep before we'll die without food, and food is not the most important, then exercise is the least important. Am I saying that we shouldn't exercise? Absolutely not. We have stressed on this show how important exercise is, not just for our physical body, but for our mental body. Exercise is very, very important. Very important, especially for long-term health. Exercise is important. And it doesn't have to be vigorous. And we've talked about that in a podcast before. I'm not sure what the number of podcasts was, but we talked about exercise specifically. And, um, you know, exercise is different for everybody, just like sleep will be different for everybody. So just uh, some interesting note, the average person can live for three weeks without food. I know that sounds like a lot, and it wouldn't be very much fun. Although after fasting for about 48 hours, our body... You know, stops being hungry mostly, and we're not we're not as hungry. So, um, you know, now this doesn't mean water. Um, we can only live about three days without water. So, I guess food is, in, I guess sleep is as important as water is when it comes to our body. So, but we can only live three days without sleep. 
Now, there are exceptions to that rule, and they've done some studies, but if you Google, um, you know, a, a video of people being deprived of sleep because they've done studies of it. I mean, you should see how their cognitive function and physical function goes downhill after about two or three days. It's amazing. So another point to make is that people that brag about not needing a lot of sleep, um, go ahead and brag all you want, but you are taking years off your life or people that brag about, oh, well, you know, you got all the time to sleep when you're dead. Here's the reality. People that are productive and more people that are more productive actually rest and recover better. That's in, that that is very very important. Whether it be a high caliber business person, whether it be a um, a uh, or professional athlete, recovery is so important. Well, if you think about um, just what happens to your brain physically and mentally, whether you're an adult or a child. Um, Deprivation usually means that we don't perform at the level that we should. Um, healthcare workers are notorious for that, especially when they're working in the hospital setting, when they're working um, hours that are not healthy for our bodies. Um, we have plant workers that work shift hours and we have truck drivers that work, you know, so there's, there's many jobs out there where the performance can go up and down depending on the level of sleep. And we know that children, are um, better at their performance when they have sleep uh, with their education and just their overall um, quality of life. So sleep is a quality issue, I believe. Um, quantity, we always think about how important that is, but I think quality of life is where sleep sits in my brain. Absolutely. And we'll get into some specific details that Janet can share with you how working shift work and not getting great sleep can really, really make a difference in your life negatively. So so um, notice in the definition of sleep, I, I stressed how mostly at night. Again, we are supposed to sleep at night. We're not supposed to sleep during the day. And, you know, hands goes off to people working shift work, whether it be swing shift or whether it be night shift. Hands off to you guys, but I will tell you this. Our bodies are made to work during the day and sleep at night. We are diurnal creatures. We are not nocturnal. So anytime somebody comes to me and they're having like hormone-related issues and they're a night worker, um, you know, and they're not sleeping, I mean, honestly, the first thing – the first thing I would recommend, and I know this is a hard one to do, but the first thing I would recommend is you've got to change jobs. You've got to change your shift. And some people like those shifts. I get that for multiple reasons, but it is hard on your body. So, and, and it, at Health Solutions, we are all about solutions. We're not about just treating symptoms. We want to fix the problem. So rather than just adding some kind of drug to, to somebody's regimen to to help them sleep. We want to fix the issue. We want to fix the problem. And if their problem is that they're working nights, they need to fix that problem if they can. So during sleep, our body um, does physical repair between 10, 10, 10 p.m. And, and 2 a.m. Um, psychic repair 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. So the psychic repair 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., that's when we're usually dreaming. Um, under ideal circumstances, you should be in bed by 10 p.m., I know to some people that sounds crazy, but in bed by 10 p.m., up by 6 p.m., and keep that on a regular schedule. That is very, very important, and you can't really – you shouldn't vary that very often. You mean up by 6 a.m.? I'm sorry, up by 6 a.m. Thank you, Janet, for correcting me. Janet, do you have any comments on sleep patterns here? 
I do because I think um, one of the biggest mistakes that uh, people make is they're not consistent about those patterns. And um, I know from just having children in my home that if you start a pattern in their life early, that significantly makes a big difference for them. And of course, you have to adjust along the way. You know, as our children uh, get older, of course, you know, as an infant, they might need up to 16 hours as they're growing. And of course, by the time they're, you know, six or 12, they might need only 12 or nine hours. So it changes as we age. But certainly, I think the, the takeaway is that a pattern of regiment is important. And I know some people will say, well, this is just how I am. And that's fine. Um, I understand that some people are more tenant to stay up later at night and, and get up later. But our bodies were meant to get up when the sun rises and to go to sleep when we have less sunlight. So, um, you know, it's a personal choice, but again, it's called quality, not quantity in my mind. That's right. And I talked about diurnal versus nocturnal. Nocturnal means we're active at night, you know, so, you know, owls and bats are nocturnal, right? Um, diurnal means we're actually during the day, diurnal. Um, sunlight, just like um, Janet was talking about affects our mood and activity. It, it, there's, there's no surprise that we start waking up, you know, when, when we sleep at night, we start waking up when it starts getting light out. So I know for those of us that live in northern latitudes, um, like we do up here in, in Washington, you know, I mean, sometimes it starts getting light out at 4.30 in the morning. And so we'll talk about some some tricks to help that um, so we don't, we're not getting up at 4.30 in the morning. And we talked about night shift workers already. Um, and one of the things that, that happens is that our body follows a diurnal variation. So it produces hormones in a different variation during the day than it does at night for obvious reasons. We produce hormones during the day that are that are more um, to help us get going, um, cortisol being one of those. So cortisol is, is produced highest in the morning or should be um, produced highest in the morning and then slowly go down throughout the day um, until it's lowest at like two o'clock in the morning, when we should be deep in sleep and dreaming. Um, if your cortisol pattern is not following that, um, that's a big problem. So we'll talk about that a little bit later in, in the podcast. So um, Janet talked about consistency of sleep, and we're going to talk about the four pillars of sleep, which can, she didn't call it, she called it consistency. Um, we're just going to name it um, um, regularity in this, in this podcast. And we're going to use the terms from Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker has his PhD in neuroscience. He is at the, he's a professor at, the, at UC Berkeley. And he has, has a wonderful podcast. I recommend it really, really heavily. Um, Rhonda, Rhonda Patrick podcast had, had Matthew Walker on, and it's a great podcast. I learned a lot about sleep and just how important it is. So we're going to go into four different things with sleep. There's depth, duration, continuity, and regularity. We'll go into some of the, some of the um, things to help those, and we'll go into some of the definitions. There's a lot of overlap when it comes to things that you can do to help to help those. So depth of sleep. So it's reflected in the elect in the electrical quality of the sleep waves. So how deep are we sleeping? So here's some here's some tips. Um, stop looking at screens at least one hour before bedtime. And I know that sounds hard, and believe me, I am guilty of this one. Um, I'm really, really guilty of this one and I need to try, try to try to be better, but any kind of artificial, I wouldn't say any, most kind of artificial light puts out blue light. 
um, especially our, our phones. Now, they do have that night mode now. Most of the phones do because they realized that blue light was what was trying to, what, what keeps stimulating us to, to not want to sleep. So the blue light goes away. But I think that's just kind of a, a band-aid to a, 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 bigger, a bigger problem. I think really you just need to get away from the electronics and um, you know, you'd be a lot better off. So stick to your bedtime, even on weekends. Janet, do you want to discuss that a little bit? Yeah. So um, I would say that, you know, from um, a parent, um, you know, the easiest thing to do is have a a regular time that you put your children down so they get into a pattern throughout their whole entire life. Um, It sets up them uh, for success. And I understand that there's going to be alterations throughout our life as far as changing, you know, whether you're in school or, you know, traveling or work or whatever, but have a, have a good pattern. So, um, find that time and try to stick to it. So, you know, you, like Sean said, you can start stepping away from, um, your screen time, whether it's TV, computers, and phones, about a half an hour, hour prior to going to bed. And you have that bedtime in mind and then keep in mind when you choose that, you know, it takes, it takes a few weeks before that becomes a pattern in your life, but, you know, stick to it, choose that time and then stick to it. And before you know it, that's going to be closer to, um, a healthy routine. Um, so, you know, choose the time and it's interesting how even, you know, in our house, we have a couple pets and it's funny, they, they tell us it's bedtime. It's time. I want to go to bed. And, you know, they have their little routine. So set up that routine for yourself. Well, and speaking of that with pets, I mean, pets are no different than children. I mean, they are, but, but sometimes when you schedule them, they're not. Um, and, you know, kids and um, all humans for that matter want to be in a schedule. We're meant to be on a schedule. There's no doubt about it. That's why we're diurnal. But sometimes if, if people don't follow that schedule, then it puts the whole household in a bad schedule. So be good role models for your family. And, um, you know, you start being the role model for when to go to bed and when to get up and, and they will follow for sure. It's no different than, you know, don't expect your kids to exercise or eat well if you don't. Same thing with sleep. If you don't sleep well and you're up at two o'clock in the morning playing video games, you think your kids are really gonna gonna be going to bed at ten o'clock like you told them to? Mm, yeah, um, no, probably not. So um, stick to your bedtime even on weekends, and you can vary that by an hour or so. And and believe me, don't you know this is not a hundred percent. These are just things, the recommendations. It's not that you know anybody can follow this all the time. Although I will say this: when you're in a really really stressful time, the better you can stick to this um plan the the better off you'll do because the better you'll recover so like if you're training really hard for an event or you just got a lot of stress going on at work the more you can make yourself go to bed or go to bed earlier at a, at a set time and get up at that at a set time the better you'll be off because the better you'll recover i truly believe that because i found in college that that was the case too for even studying so college students don't try to do that all night jam because that's when your brain starts um forgetting and your short-term memory is the only thing you have left. So don't do that. Get your rest. That's right. And it's important your brain gets rest too, not just your physical body. Right. So find your ideal temperature. This is different for everybody, but in general, your body wants to cool off a little bit to sleep better. So 
I've heard reports 65 to 66 degrees. That's too cold for some, but remember, we sleep under covers, so it doesn't really, you know, you'll still stay warm underneath the covers, but it is, I, I do know this, I, I can't sleep if it's over 73 degrees. I just can't very well. So it's important that, um, I usually turn our, our, uh, our HVAC down to 65 at night, 65 to 66. So avoid exercising too late at night. That might seem obvious, but um, I know I've been guilty of that. And I think as I've gotten a little bit older, it's been harder for me to exercise very late. So I try to make a hard, fast rule that I am done exercising, done with my workout by seven o'clock, depending on what, how intense and how long it is. But by seven o'clock at night, I want to be done with my workout. Um, because what does exercise do? Exercise stimulates a lot of neurotransmitters um, to to keep you going, right? So it's hard to um, make it's hard to kind of relax when those neurotransmitters are, st are still um, firing a lot. So avoid large meals before bedtime. There's multiple reasons for that. Your body spends time trying to digest them. Um, sometimes you can get reflux. Reflux is, is when the food starts coming back up because you lay back down and gravity is working just like it should. So avoid large meals at bedtime. Death continued. Take, take time to unwind. There's a lot of ways to do this. Um, some people will say, and this goes back to cooling off. Some people say take a cool bath. I don't know of anybody that enjoys a cool bath, really. Well, no, I don't know anybody, but I wouldn't enjoy a cool bath. But if you do want to cool your body temperature, a warm bath will cool your body temperature because after you get out of the bath, you know, through evaporation, you will definitely start cooling off. So a, a bath before bedtime is definitely a way to unwind. Um, alcohol, Janet, you want to talk a little bit about alcohol? We're going to get more into that also later. Yeah, so some people get in the habit of having alcohol right before going to bed because they think they sleep better, but that might initially help you fall to sleep, but your your sleep is not very deep, so you're not going to get into the REM sleep, and it's usually broken up. So um, especially right before going to bed on a regular basis, I don't recommend that. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, we can't have a, a time frame where that happens occasionally, but if you're doing it every day and it, it's a habit it, it's something you probably want to break because you're not getting the repair you need to and that would be both physically and mentally yeah that's true and we're going to get more into that a little bit later in the discussion when we start talking about drugs because alcohol is a drug same with caffeine caffeine's a drug we're going to talk a little bit more about it later but limit that after 2 p.m everybody's different there um, exercise regularly. So I, I, you know, I just, am, am I talking, um, out of both sides of my mouth by saying don't exercise too late and exercise regularly? No, not at all. Exercise is very important to help us sleep well. Um, and I think one of the things that has happened in our lifestyles, you know, as humans over the last, you know, especially as Americans for, um, for sure over the last 30 to 40 years is we don't have as much physical labor. So, um, and that physical labor makes us tired, right? We've got all these neurotransmitters going off in our bodies trying to um, get us through the day of, of heavy lifting or, you know, heavy endurance, whatever that is. And um, so when we get home, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to eat. And we want to go to bed. And that was pretty common, especially, you know, um, back in the ag agrarian society, when especially when the sun up, sun down thing, because you know the sun was down anyway, you couldn't work. You without sunlight, and so you would come home, you would eat, and you would 
fall asleep physically just because you're so tired. I will say I've had that personal experience uh, many different times when I've had a hard workout, a hard bike ride. Um, it makes me, as long as it's not too late that I finish, it makes me sleep a lot better that night. Jan, do you have any comments on that? I do. Um, I, I think that one of the things that we don't have on the list, but this would go in with exercise and you know, to any parent out there, you know, if you have taken your child out during the day, they sleep better. So that's the, the same thing for adults. I think as we um, have more indoor working office jobs, we aren't out in the outdoors. And there's just something that I believe occurs to us as organisms, just as humans, that when we get that exposure to the outdoor elements, that we just sleep better. And if you can incorporate that in with your exercise pattern, I, I think that's a very healthy thing because more things happen, I think, out in that sunlight than we give credit to um, nature on Ab that one. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this too, but limit the bedroom for two things, sleep and romance. That's it. Um, time your naps appropriately. I think naps are important. I try to take a nap every day. Don't get two every day, but I try to take one every day. Naps are recovery for sure. That's true. But let's keep in mind too with our elderly patients that maybe not having naps too close to bedtime, sometimes that kind of interrupts. So kind of keep those things in mind too when it's appropriate because I know personally that if I've been really exhausted and it's later in the evening and I feel like sleeping is like I'm not going to get to bed if I lay down and take too long of a nap or if I lay down, I might be better off just waiting for bedtime. Yes, they have to be um, timed appropriately. That's for sure. So duration, we talked about depth. Now duration, duration should be seven to nine hours. Janet, discuss, you want to discuss some times yeah. hour wise, duration wise for different ages of us? Yeah, I mentioned earlier that infants, of course, need more sleep and uh, from newborn to, you know, their first year, they sleep constantly and they need to sleep more as they are growing. But then, you know, it changes as we get into toddler years, they need a little bit less. But when we start out, you know, we can sleep up to 16 hours. By the time we're five years old, it might be 10 or 13. Um, by the time we're six and 12, it could be nine and 12. And again, that's going to vary between each child. Teenagers, they kind of turn into a little bit different um, requirements. And I think that really is going to depend on each individual from eight to 10 hours. But, you know, I know with my boys that there were times where they were growing and they just couldn't get enough sleep. So keep in mind that, you know, the growth pattern um, is going to determine how much need that they have. Um, and then again, you know, when they sleep is going to change too. You know, my kids, when they were infants, were, you know, okay, you can't get up past this time. You know, you had to learn, you know, four o'clock doesn't work for mom. So, you know, we're going to keep that closer to six. Um, but, and then as we become adults, we still need about seven or eight hours of sleep. And I know there's people out there that say, I only need five. Well, that's, that might be your opinion, but I think the statistics of our health in the, the United States would state otherwise. Um, lack of sleep still is a contributor to heart disease and diabetes and, and many other things. So, I, I think I would recheck that and think about that. Um, and we can give you some points as we go along. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not a badge of honor to brag about how little sleep you get regularly. That's for sure. Now, notice how when Janet said, you know, when teenagers are growing, they need more sleep. Now, not as much sleep as newborns. Um, but why does our sleep vary? Why do we have less need less sleep as we, as we um, age? 
Well, if you think about it, growing. So um, think um, when you are in a big growth stage, you need more sleep. Remember, that's because that's when the body recovers and that's when you get stronger, literally. So athletes, take heed. You do not get stronger by exercising. You get stronger when you rest and recover. So recovery is just as important as the exercise and maybe more important. You have to listen to your body, that's for sure. So duration for an adult, seven to nine hours. White noise, what is white noise? There's phone apps out there that have white noise. It's just a noise, a background noise. Um, you, you can use a fan too. It's not official white noise, but any kind of noise, just constant noise um, can help with sleep. Dark room, remember um, sunlight um, affects us, affects how we sleep. So up in Northern latitudes, have a dark room, shades. Um, so you have dark shades, artificial light in the room. Don't forget about that. Uh, so for one thing, you know, turn your phones upside down. So if they do go off and they should be in, in airplane mode or some mode where you're not listening to them all night long, um, you know, make sure they're not lighting up over anything. So, and, or a clock, you know, if you're using an old time clock, those, some of those clocks are bright, anything in the room, a, a security, a security system, the screen in the security system that lights up. Those are those can be artificial lights. So think about all the artificial lights that in your in your bedroom and try to cover them up. It does make a difference. They do have for on Amazon for like nine dollars you can buy those eye masks. They they are very very helpful as long as you're not claustrophobic or kind of freak out a little bit when you go to sleep and when your eyes are covered up because you wake up it's still dark. So um, temperature we talked about phone turn them off. You know do a setting on your phone where you know, only the most important people can get a hold of you and maybe not even via text. Maybe only if they call you and they call you two times, that's the only way your phone will vibrate or go off. So um, pets in the room, this is very common. Um, a lot of people don't realize it, but pets really do disturb your sleep. They're up and down a lot. Um, so, you know, think about that. Uh, drinking too late at night. Janet talked about alcohol, but this goes with all fluids. Because right. if you drink too late at night, you are going to possibly um, have to get up in the middle of the night or earlier than you needed to normally and have to go to the bathroom. So, And that definitely interrupts um, the duration of your sleep. Continuity. So it's not just about depth and duration, but continuity for how long – did you sleep without waking up? So was there any kind of, of moment that woke you up during the night? Janet, you want to talk about this? Yeah. So um, there are things that we have already discussed about keeping maybe a white noise so it's consistent, keeping your room dark, the temperature, your phone off, the pet's not in the room, not drinking too late at night, um, and that's water and then alcohol. But I think... Um, Sometimes life happens. And so if you're a parent and you have a young child, you're waking up quite a bit. But as much as you can control, control and just realize that, you know, that time is short lived, you'll get past it. And that's true even as a caregiver for somebody, you know, sometimes those things wake us up. But if we are just making a purposeful um, point to control the things that we are able to, that makes it much better for ourselves, I think. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you for that. Regularity. This one's very important. 
So it's not just what you do in one night. And if you follow the, follow the depth, duration, and um, continuity, you, you know, you, for one night, you're not okay. Okay. You, it, what's How many times a week do you do that? How many times a month do you do that? So it's regularity. So again, like Janice said, stick to a schedule. You know, go to bed by 10, get up by 6. That can vary by like an hour on weekends. But try not to vary it too much or it'll throw your, throw your, throw your schedule off. So fortunately, with modern-day technology, we have many different ways to monitor our sleep. Um, most of the sleep monitors now are external devices you wear, and they have what, what's called a built, uh, an accelerometer. So they have an accelerometer built into them so it tracks movement, okay? Um, so one of those is Fitbit Inspire with heart rate monitor and the Aura Ring. We've actually talked about that one on our show before when my brother was on the podcast. And then there's phone apps. Sleepbot is one of them. There might be a newer app. Sleepbot is, it's no longer supported as an app because obviously it probably didn't work very well. And it was not monitoring. It didn't have an accelerometer in it. It was monitoring sound. So you had to have your cell phone on and it would monitor sound from your, just from your room. And, and then, so there's obviously a lot of false positives, false negatives in there. So, you know, maybe if you're in a deep snore, it would say that, you know, you didn't get a very restful night just because it was loud. Well, some people can actually snore and 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 sleep very deeply. So um, if the phone, if you are using a phone app and they do have an accelerometer, then you have to sleep with your phone. And I don't know how convenient that would be. I already think they're very distracting anyway when it comes to interrupting our sleep. So I don't think they're 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 a good tool. So Fitbit Inspire with Heart Rate Monitor. Um, if you'd like to call in and get a free Fitbit right now, we would love for you to do that. 509-537-0411 to receive your free Fitbit. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but Fitbit Heart Rate, Fitbit Inspire with Heart Rate, it tracks your activity, but it tracks your sleep too. So it has an app that you can download to track all that. Um, but it tracks your sleep pattern. Um, you get more insight into your light, deep, and REM sleep stages. It's not as specific as the Aura. So the Aura has all these fancy things, sleep score, sleep stages, time in bed, sleep efficiency, all this. Some of the stuff they kind of made up themselves so they could have a metric, which is fine. They kind of specialize in sleep, and um, that's kind of what they specialize in, but to compete with the rest of the market – they went ahead and added added an activity um, monitor later on. So you can, when you wear it, it's just a little ring. And when you wear it, it monitors your activity, so your heart rate during the day also. It's quite a bit higher price than the other alternatives. So my go-to would be the Fitbit. Um, I think it's probably the, um, you get the most, most value um, from the Fitbit. And of course. Go ahead. I think piece of paper and... And just a notebook for a diary if you are not a tech app person. So if you are, let's say for my mom, she's in her mid-80s and she's not somebody that wants to pick up another piece of technology, make a diary. Yeah, definitely a sleep diary. Now, and I will tell you, speaking of of these devices, um, you know, don't let the device control you. You know, it can be stressful enough, our lives, how many things do we have to connect to every day? 
And sometimes connecting to another electronic device can be stressful itself. What happens when we get stressed? It increases our cortisol, and that can make it harder to sleep. So, you know, because invariably what happens sometimes is you're trying to go to sleep, and this this device doesn't connect, and then you know you you get stressed out about it, and it's hard to sleep. So, don't don't let the device control you, and don't let the the the, the data control you. The data is a tool to help guide you. You need to listen to your own body. Don't get stressed out by the data. Again, it's just a tool to help guide you. So let's talk a little bit about cortisol. Oh, we, we talked a little bit about it to start with. Janet, why don't you go ahead and discuss cortisol? Well, so we already talked about sunlight. And one of the things that sunlight does for our body is it stimulates our body to release the hormone cortisol. And cortisol is... Um, important to give us the energy that we need to start our day. So usually we see that our highest levels are about eight o'clock in the morning, but it depends on the person. But that's important to know because that's when you're ready for the day. Um, we also think of it as the flight hormone. So if we need to respond to something in a uh, quick manner, flight, um, that gives us the energy to do that. Um, it, but it should decline throughout the, the day and it should be at our lowest about 2 a.m. And if it's not, our diurnal fashion of our, our sleep and our activity um, goes away. We don't get into that deep sleep. We don't have REM sleep. So we have people that are waking up during the night or they're feeling exhausted halfway through the day. Um, they might get a second wind. You know, you'll hear people say, I just got my second wind. Well, Probably what happened is that their cortisol is shooting up at a time that's not very effective. Um, night shift workers are notorious for this happening to them. Um, shift workers that go from working a day shift to a night shift um, have problems with their patterns. Um, and it even starts happening a little bit with teenagers, and, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But um, part of it is just a lifestyle for, for some of us. Um, so there's ways of handling this. Um, we can look at cortisol levels um, throughout the day. Um, I recommend saliva testing for that because it's most convenient because if you did it in your doctor's office, you'd have to be coming in and out many times throughout the day. It's less expensive. Um, so um, is there anything I didn't cover on that? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, cortisol is produced in our adrenal glands. Our adrenal glands are right above our kidneys, renal, and adrenal above. So um, they're little pea-sized glands, and like Janet says, they produce cortisol in a diurnal fashion. And if your cortisol, there's two things that get really good wrong with your cortisol. So if it's not following that curve, highest in the morning, going down, um, being um, lowest at 2 o'clock in the morning, then there's an issue. What we see a lot of times is we'll see high it, it it follows that diurnal pattern but then come the evening the cortisol spikes and the cortisol spikes for multiple reasons so let's say a mother comes home she works all day she comes home and she's got the stress of taking care of her kids and taking care of the house then all of a sudden her cortisol peaks at night also well that obviously is not conducive to good sleep so that's a problem that's a problem so there's a lot of different ways that you can remedy that um there you know, life, some lifestyle modifications for sure. Um, and um, also there's some supplements you can take for that higher cortisol at night. But what happens is that if your cortisol is high all the time, especially at night, and your body's not getting that rest, 
then eventually your body says, wait a minute. I just, I, I can't keep being on this fight or flight all the time. Right. And then your body will say, right. I can't produce any more cortisol. And then you're kind of like flatlined. And we see patients like this all the time. And what you have to do is you have to get them sleeping again. You have to get them sleeping again. You have to get their cortisol up. There's supplements to help that also. And it's also some lifestyle changes also probably. So um, realize it's not, you know, your body responds temporarily in a good way um, to have the higher cortisol. But long term, it's not good. We also see this in people that have had some kind of stress or trauma, like a, a big trauma in their life, like a like a spouse died or like there's a big car wreck or you know something like that where there's a trauma, their cortisol is um, elevated quite often. And you know, then all of a sudden, six, 12 months later, they're exhausted. Well, you check their cortisol, their cortisol levels are low. And basically what happens is their body just says, I can't do this anymore. Right. Do you have so, any comments on that, Jack? I, I do because if you don't have a proper level throughout um, your daily and, and for a long term, if it turns into a bad cycle or pattern, you're not repairing when you sleep. So you're setting yourself up for a chronic disease state. And we do know that a lot of Americans suffer from um, being deprived of sleep. So I believe there is a correlation between not repairing at night and our bodies becoming inflamed. And then we have the repair not happening while we're sleeping to our physical part of our body and our mental part of our body. So our organism is not repairing the way it has been designed to do that. So that's when I think part of the chronic diseases, um, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, all those things are, are a challenge for our system to repair for. So, you know, a rheumatoid arthritis, thyroid, I mean, there's all kinds of things that could set in for not just having a proper sleep. Well, and I will tell you when, you know, just talking to patients that have had, um, you know, some kind of, some kind of cancer, breast cancer, you know, um, lung cancer, um, whatever there was a lot of times there was something that precipitated that, that event. You ask them, it's like, okay, okay. You just got diagnosed with breast cancer. You know what happened a year ago? Well, you know, my dad passed away and, um, you know, it was very stressful and I had, I was a caretaker for him and, and, you know, next thing you know, you know, they have breast cancer now, you know, association does not always prove causation, but Janet is correct. Our immune system stays healthy when we recover and sleep. That's how it gets healthier and gets stronger, just like our physical body too. So that's why recovery is so important. And that being said, so this is time where you can get a free cortisol test. It's $140 value. Call in now. 509-537-0411 and you can receive a free cortisol test. Progesterone and sleep. Janet's a progesterone expert. I will let her discuss this one. So um, before we start with um, progesterone, um, this is important to both male and female because a lot of times we break hormones down into this um, it's going to be important for a lady and menopause and um, becoming pregnant. But progesterone actually is a hormone that um, gives our brain. Um, Hello, we have a caller on the line. Oh, go ahead. Okay, hold on. Let me get you connected. Can you hear me now? Yeah. 
Okay, so we have a caller on the line. Um, thank you. You're a caller. You are calling in about the diurnal cortisol test. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. And w what is your name? Jereen. Jereen. All right. Well, thank you for calling, Jereen. Where are you calling from? George. George. George Washington. Love it. So do you have any questions um, while we have you on the line? No, I, I am pretty sure my cortisol is way out of whack, and I just need to um, get a handle on it. Okay, so tell us why. Are you having a problem sleeping? No, no. It's my, uh, my shape. Okay, yeah, absolutely. That can definitely, that can definitely be. Um, so I, go, I sleep go ahead. fine as far as, I, I think I sleep fine. Okay. Um, I'm not, I wake up fine in the morning, uh, refreshed and all. So when you say, you said your shape, correct? That's why you think your cortisol's out of whack? My shape, yeah. I have um, a, a large gut. Mm -hmm. And cortisol, so basically what cortisol, yeah, so what cortisol does <laughs> is it prepares us for stress, whether it be uh, mental stress ah. or physical stress. And so it is it wants us to hang on to everything, including our fat, including any any extra we have, because it's thinking we need to we need to respond to some kind of event, and that's why it makes us hold on to that extra fat. So cortisol cortisol can definitely affect that as well as your other hormones can. So, um, Janine, it's Janine, correct? Jereen. 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 Okay. Well, I am going to send your information, your phone number that you called in on to my producer, and we will we will get you uh, set up on and send you a uh, free diurnal cortisol test, okay? Awesome. All right. Courtesy of Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy. Thank you for calling, Jereen. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye. So... Getting back to progesterone and sleep, I, I believe that this is important for both male and female. I mean, we said sleep issues in women, but I think it, it's all of the above. Um, and I prefer uh, to use the hormone in an oral capsule and sustained release. And the reason I do is because as we break this down and metabolize um, the progesterone, it, it metabolizes into another hormone that helps us to modulate GABA and that meaning we can sleep better as um, we are in our uh, sleep pattern at night. And that's the truth for both men and women. Um, but to, to talk about hormones, we, we get caught up in thinking they're just sex hormones, but hormones are actually messengers in our body. And so this um, metabolite is messaging your brain to sleep and to stay into a better sleep. So um, that's very important. And as we age, we become more depleted because obviously we're going through different changes in our life. So in this instance, um, we usually recommend that people supplement if they are low on progesterone with the hormone progesterone in an oral capsule. Um, there's other medications that work at our GABA receptor site, but this is a normal um, or a natural approach. Um, I will tell you for all the years that we have helped women through menopause, peri, pre, and menopause, that if we can get that lady sleeping, then her body repairs and she feels better, of course, mentally and physically. So 
any comments with that? No, you did a good job. Thank you so much, Janet. You're definitely an expert on that subject. So, you know, like Janet said about progesterone, it's not just for women. Um, men can need it too to help sleep. It is metabolized into allopregnitolone, which modulates the GABA receptor. I, I know there's some fancy pharmacological terms there, but the reason I talk about it because prescription medications do the same thing. And remember, this is health solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. We don't treat symptoms. We find solutions. We treat the problem. And if the problem is low progesterone and you're having a lack of sleep because low progesterone, a prescription medication is just putting a Band-Aid on it. It's not fixing the issue. So progesterone is very, very important. Another thing about progesterone, I think it's important to have a sustained release capsule. At Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, we compound a sustained release for capsules. Sustained release means slow release. It releases progesterone throughout the entire night instead of immediately, like some of the commercially available products do. And we have talked to patients who use a commercially available product, and a lot of times they will wake up at like 2 o'clock in the morning after it wears off, whereas they, that doesn't happen with our sustained release capsule too. So, And... Being a compounding pharmacy, we can make it in any dose. We don't just make 100 milligram and 200 milligram. We can make anything. Um, our most common is probably um, 50 to 200 milligram. There are patients that need quite a bit more, though. So here's some medications for sleep. I even included an OTC one in there. Janet, you want to talk about diphenhydramine? Yeah, so most people know diphenhydramine is Benadryl, and it is in a lot of products that have the little PM after it. Um, the downside of Benadryl is that it can make people almost feel drunk. Um, and so I, it's not my go-to a lot of times, especially for elderly, because I don't want them to get up during the night and fall and break something because they may have to get up to go to the restroom or things like that. Short term, I think it's fine for um, adults. But then again, there is um, the effect um I guess we term it in um, our pharmacy as kind of a dirty drug, meaning that it has a lot of side effects. So you could feel um, dry, uh, tired, almost like you had a hangover from it. Yeah, I mean, it is a dirty drug. I mean, diphenhydramine is an antihistamine, antihistamine to block histamine that produces allergies. But it's such a dirty drug, it has lots of other side effects, including anticholinergic side effects, which causes dry mouth, and um, that can also cause some CNS depression um, through the central system. So um, short term, and I don't know, what do you think, Janet? When you define short term, what do you mean? You mean, I, you know, every night for a week or no, what? No, I, 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 I personally don't like people using any kind of drug longer than two weeks, but in this case, I would say maybe a night or two at the most. I, yeah. I, I, you know, obviously we're going to get it when we're taking it for the relief of, relief of cold symptoms and things like that. But I, I don't think more than a couple nights is really beneficial on that one. Well, so, um, Zolpidem, also known as Ambien. I, I love drug companies names. You guys don't realize that AM meaning morning, BN meaning, um, good in French, so good morning. So Ambien was touted as, I love this, you gotta love what drug companies do. So when Ambien first came out, you know, they were just trying to sell, sell it to all the farmers and all the doctors how it was better than the longer acting benzodiazepines. So you're gonna wake up in the morning without a hangover effect, right? Um, good morning, right? And then, you know, the drug companies are so smart and they, they are so innovative. What did they come up with like 10 years later after Ambien goes off patent, they come with they come out with Ambien CR, controlled release. 
it releases slowly throughout the night. Well, wait a minute. I don't get it. You said Ambien was supposed to wake up. It wasn't supposed to last all night, but now the CR formulation is even better. That's interesting. I always find that interesting with drug companies. They don't do a lot of innovation anymore. It's just kind of patent extension. So that's a whole other subject. Well, the problem with Ambien in my mind is that, uh, again, there is side effects. And one of the problems is, is that some people um, actually have some amnesia. They'll get up and go shopping or get up and go down the stairs or go do something and they don't remember doing it. And so obviously that can set people up for some problems. So again, Ambien should be, uh, I think, short term. It should be also um, careful. Um, because if you do absolutely need to have some sleep relief, I, I don't feel like it should be one of those drugs that's every single night in a row. Absolutely. It does work on the GABA receptor. Most of these drugs do, um, besides Belsomra, um, they work on the GABA receptor. So it, it works in the same principle as progesterone, but progesterone doesn't have the side effects like they do. They're not, ha it, progesterone is not habit forming. Um, like all these. So there's no warning on progesterone to be habit forming. No, and you don't have people that get up in the middle of the night and go somewhere either. Yeah, progesterone. Right? right. Progesterone doesn't cause retrograde amnesia either. Or shopping on Amazon. I've heard I of that. Yeah. yeah. So benzodiazepines, they're old ones. Do you want to talk about the benzos, Janet? Um, yeah, they've been a around for a long, long time. Um, my feeling about Lopraxolam, Lorazepam, and um, the other is just that they are habit forming. Um, we use it short term. I have no issue with that. Um, I feel like there's appropriate times for them. But then again, it is a controlled substance. And so there is a downside to that. So um, if I had a client that absolutely needed it, it's not that I'd say no. Um, I just think that we need to be cautious in our prescribing habits with it. And again, no longer than two weeks. And, you know, if it's a traumatic event or a trauma and somebody needs something short term, that's fine. But I think for every day's sleep, I just I I'm not a fan of using these drugs for for. Absolutely. So we won't go into we'll just list them there. But there's not you know, the important thing is, is that short term use and um, they are habit forming. So, you know, you know, take that into consideration. Now, diphenhydramine is over the counter and it is not habit forming. Um, alcohol. Alcohol is by far and away the most common medication used to treat insomnia. Actually, it's probably the most common medication used to where people use to medicate many different diseases. Uh, a lot of times, you know, people that are alcoholics, they have other underlying diseases, whether it be depression, whether it be insomnia, um, many other issues going on, and they're using alcohol to self-medicate. So, Alcohol is a CNS depressant. There is no doubt about it. I mean, if you get too much alcohol, if you drink too much alcohol and you can keep it down without vomiting, then you will die. It will stop you from breathing, period. So it is a CNS depressant. Um, and that's why it causes drowsiness after even one or two drinks. Here's one of the issues with alcohol. As with many drugs that you take, depending on their half-life, Alcohol will, is a CNS depressant, and it will cause you to get drowsy and sleep. We've probably all felt this when we've had a few drinks, for sure. But here's the issue. Um, four hours later, it will disrupt your sleep because after it gets metabolized, your body starts waking up from the effects of it, and then it wears off, and then you're, wa you're awake and you can't sleep very well. Um, I can tell you I've had this happen many different times. That's why I just limit my alcohol. Um, Janet, do you have any discussion about this? Yeah, I do. I mean, alcohol and your um, 
benzos are very similar in that, that they, you, you get to sleep, but that sleep is not quality. And I think that's one of the important issues is that, yeah, you will get to sleep, but you will not get into the recovery phase and you will not get into the REM sleep. And if you do, it's very short lived. And so then you have a cycle that's starting that you have your disrupted sleep and on a chronic basis is, is a problem. So, you know, I know that a glass of wine with your meal and things like that, um, people like to enjoy that. And I'm not saying to take that away, but if you're taking alcohol to get to sleep and stay asleep, um, long-term, it's, it's very harmful for you. And realize this, you know, we're talking about sleep and recovery, right? Alcohol not only inhibits your sleep, it delays and inhibits recovery. Right. I mean, alcohol is a poison. We've talked about this on this, on this podcast many different times. Alcohol is a poison. Your body deals with it as a poison. So what does that mean? When your body is busy dealing with alcohol as a poison and trying to get rid of the poison, it is not trying to help you recover and get stronger. It's just trying to deal with the poison. So realize that alcohol is a poison and, and hampers recovery. Caffeine, Janet? So caffeine, of course, is a stimulant. So um, that's going to keep you up longer. And I, I think that everybody's response to caffeine is different than others. So I think that you just need to know your body and how you react to it. But um, clearly... You know, if you're somebody that's affected by it, you know, stop, limit the amount. Um, I grew up on the farm where the coffee pot was always on 24-7. But, you know, if you're somebody that um, it affects, limit it. And um, I'm sure that will that will help. And remember, too, we're talking coffee, but there are so many supplements out there and drinks bang for one. I mean, there's so many things out there. Look at your, look at what you're ingesting. I know my kids have had different supplements and you know you read the back and it, it's almost like a shot of espresso so don't or think ju right just don't think because you're taking a supplement that it's all safe um you know it could be that's one of the reasons that you're having trouble so i you know coffee's easy to control limit yourself but then also read your packages to make sure you're not adding something except pre-workout formulas pre-workout right. formulas people that you yeah. know work out at five o'clock at night and they yeah. take a pre-workout formula. Realize a pre-workout formulas usually have caffeine in them. Right. But there's others that you wouldn't necessarily think that they're in sometimes. So just read your package. That is true. Okay. Supplements. You know, we talk a lot about supplements here and we'll talk, we'll talk first about melatonin because melatonin is a hormone. And of course at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, we specialize in hormone replacement. So Janet, tell us about melatonin. So typically in the day when, um, we start having less sunlight. It's actually the lack of sunlight that starts um, stimulating our body to release the hormone. Again, this is not a sex hormone. It's a hormone that our body needs. It's called melatonin and it helps to regulate our sleep. So it helps us to start calming down, start relaxing and starting getting into sleep and help us get into REM sleep. And, um, like our slide shows, it is inversely proportional to cortisol. So here we have a calming hormone, one that is telling our body to settle down and going to sleep. Um, we prefer a sustained release product if somebody's having difficulty sleeping. Um, the range is variable. Um, it can be anywhere from one milligram on up to 20. Um, if you go higher than that, I would do that with um, 
a physician or a nurse practitioner uh, helping you with that. But it is the one that our body makes. And just a side note, parents of teenagers, this is the hormone that is off in our teenage kids. That's why they stay up later and they can't wake up as, as they easily could when they were younger, is that the melatonin doesn't get triggered until later in the evening and then their cortisol is later in the morning. So they really do have a, a difference biologically happening in their body. So realize you're trying to kick your teenager out of bed at six o'clock in the morning and they say they just are unnecessarily tired. They're probably not kidding because usually their melatonin is still high even at nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. Right. So realize that. So I'm not saying we, we have to deal with that because there is a schedule, but you know, just give them a little bit of grace. Right. And, and I think too, one of the things too, living in the Northwest, you know, people in Alaska that have no sunlight for, for months and then sunlight all the time. This is this is where they start getting into trouble is because they aren't having that normal rhythm of the sunlight and the sun going down. So and there are other um, supplements that you can use. And, and again, I prefer not long term um, sleep habits, no more than 14 days at a time. Um, I feel safer with things like melatonin because that's what your body normally uses. But I don't like it to be the crutch either. There's um, valerian root. It helps with anxiety and calming L-theanine, GABA, 5-HTP, um, and they're all very good short-term um, supplements to help with sleep. GABA, remember we talked about that when we talked about how progesterone worked and some of those, um, some of the benzodiazepines, some of the sleep medications. Well, you can actually take GABA specifically as a supplement. Um, and it does not have the habit-forming effects like the prescription medications do. 5-HTP is just a, one way of saying serotonin. And if you think about, if you know, there's a lot of antidepressants like in the um, Prozac and um, Paxil, things like that, those work on serotonin. So those are supplements that you can actually take over the counter that doesn't have the side effects of some of the prescription medications. I think what's important is talk to your healthcare provider that knows about supplements. It's something that most, many healthcare providers don't know about. So talk to a healthcare provider that knows about supplements so you can help them with the dosing and a specific product. Realize that a lot of the products um, have multiple ingredients in them to help you sleep and help you, um, you know, stay asleep. So realize that, that there's some combination products and work with a healthcare provider that's, a, that's an expert. If you have any questions, of course, uh, Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, we can definitely help you. And before we go further about supplements, they are what you pay for. And it's really important that you have a quality. So if it is dirt cheap, you're not getting the supplement that you're paying for. You, well, you're getting the supplement you pay for. You just got to well, read, read the label appropriately. <laughs> I because, guess I just said that. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> if you are looking for something that's going to work for you, you will have to have a decent quality product and it's not going to be dirt cheap. That's correct. That's correct. All right. Sleep environment. So um, we talk about this because this is, you know, we, we don't just talk about drug therapy or supplements here at the pharmacy. I mean, we're about solutions and we want to make sure that people have optimal health and that they're, you know, we educate them to empower them to have optimal health. So sleep environment, the bedroom should be reserved for two things, intimacy and sleep. No TV in the bedroom. Um, no phones in the bedroom. They should be off, maybe even in a drawer. I know some people, I'm not guilty. I'm, 
I don't do this. I should, but put them in a drawer in, in the nightstand. And then that way is a lot less likely that it will distribute Janet. So I have a side note too, for parents, don't put your kid in room for timeout. That was one of the things I've, I've read. If you're in a habit of putting your child into timeout, that could mean, especially a young child that that is a bad place. So don't make it bad. Um, make it a good place. And, you know, there's other rooms in the house for that. Um, I know as my children got older, it was like, you know, a lot easier, but when they're really young, don't, don't make their room a bad place for them. You know, there's other places for timeout. So, um, and I think that that is easy as adults for, it's like, go to your room. But, um, I think when they're really small, don't use it as a bad place, make it a good place for them. That's right. That also is a reminder too, you know, for parents or, um, anybody even, I know some kids have work environments like a desk or whatever, um, to do their homework and stuff. Maybe that's not always the best place. And it's definitely not a good place to have a home office is in your bedroom because then it'll be easier to get distracted when you go to sleep to do work and you won't, you won't, um, think of that environment as being a restful environment, dark room, quiet room. We already talked about that white noise. And actually, we are out of time. We have went over our hour. We've exhausted our entire hour. Uh, if anybody has any questions, 509-537-0411. We are streaming live on Facebook and YouTube. Please leave comments if you have any questions, and we will definitely get back to you. Um, stay tuned for us for Thursday. We have an exciting guest on. Her name is Chris Fisk. She's with Chris's Skincare. She's going to talk about all things skincare. So stay tuned for that. That'll be Thursday. 8 to 9 a.m. And as always, you can catch us on podcast forums. So your favorite podcasts, uh, um, Google, uh, iTunes, iHeart, go to your favorite podcast forums and like and share. Don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is ever growing. So please, we made it to our magic 100 subscribers and YouTube um, starts giving us more hits when we do that. So every time we get more subscribers, we get more hits. So please go to our YouTube channel, like it, subscribe to it and comment and let us know what you'd like to hear next. So thank you for tuning in to health solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. We will see and we'll see and hear you Thursday. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.